0: As always, I stand before you in awe that our Lord would afford me the opportunity to preach His word to His people. I am thankful to Pastor Ben for leading us in the fellowship of worship this morning. What a joy it was to be part of that that singing uh, today, Uh, just a a blessing, uh, a hundredfold, uh, a synergism it was, right? I mean, it's just harmony, right? It just all works together to be more than just the sum of the parts. Yeah, that's beside the point. So our response to the preaching of god's word is done uh, collectively together in response in part to these questions that you see on the screen and so those are there that uh, that you might know what's uh, what we'll uh, be uh, talking about in our response time however we certainly respond as well with our own comments and questions responding to the preaching of god's word i want to speak to you this morning about the power of a chain reaction. For it is uh, a scientific fact that there is tremendous power that is released in a uh, a chain reaction. And I've always heard it illustrated by the idea of a a room that is filled with mousetraps. Each mousetrap set to spring you know the mouse trap, and I guess you have to explain that anymore. It used to be there was only one kind of mouse trap. Everybody used to say mouse trap, but we're talking about the little piece of wood with the wire spring trap thing and the little hook, and you put the cheese <laughs> over here, and uh, yeah, if you're lucky, that's uh so that kind of mousetrap, trap. A room full of them. I mean, it's all together, and on each mousetrap trap that has been set to spring. You rest a ping pong ball and then when all the traps are set and each trap has its ping pong ball, you throw another ping pong ball into the room and it hits one of the traps and that trap springs and it throws the ping pong ball up in the air along with the ping pong ball that was thrown into the room and so these two ping pong balls now hit two other traps which spring and add their ping pong balls to the collection of ping pong balls that are falling on other stra- traps, and they're springing up and, and eventually you just have a room full of ping pong balls flying all over the place. And, and that's kind of, sort of, a chain reaction and certainly the way that I've often heard an atomic chain reaction illustrated. The point being that as with the atomic reactor, there is a tremendous power that is released in a chain reaction. In the scripture that I'm going to read this morning, I believe that we encounter in God's word a chain reaction that God has put in place and from which There is tremendous power in the Christian life. So being children of the television era, we're thinking, all right, Bill's looking to get himself a TV channel. Bill's joining in with the prosperity preachers. Bill is the next great Joel Osteen. No. No, no, no. In so many ways, absolutely not. For what in that which we read this morning from God's word, there is nothing about worldly wealth, but in this biblical revelation, there is a chain reaction that does deliver, that does make believers very rich and very powerful. Let's read from 1 John chapter 5. And as we read, I would encourage you to see if you hear, see if you see the chain reaction going on here. And if you do, then you can get up and preach the sermon. <laughs> 1 John chapter 5. I believe Abby's got it started on the screen as well as you might have in your own copy of the sacred text. 1 John chapter 5, beginning with verse 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. These three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. I want to kind of walk verse by verse, phrase by phrase, clause by clause through this text. And then hopefully see how it all is knit together, so to speak. But from verse 1 let us be sure that we see, that we hear, that we understand the order of what is being said here. Let's be sure that we get it right. The order is born of God, believe. First one is born of God, then one believes. The order is is so important because if you get the order wrong, you give credit in the wrong place. When we understand, when we believe, when we preach that those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God because God has created in them a new life, born of God, Believe. And in that order, born of God, believe. Who gets the glory? God does. Who has made the effort? God has. Whose initiative? God's initiative. Whose work? God's work. Whose hand? God's hand. Whose glory? God's glory. Amen. Let's be sure we get it right. Born of God believe. In the New Testament, we rarely find what are called if-then statements. You won't find a lot of risk-reward offerings in God's Word. But what we do see are what are called indicative imperative statements. When we find a, a statement of fact, that is the indicative, and then a statement of the action, consequential action, of that statement of fact. The imperative. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Statement of fact. Right? That's, that's not something that's a suggestion, an idea, a concept, a possibility. This is God's Word stating a fact. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. Fact. Statement of fact. A most emphatic affirmation that believing Jesus is the Christ, believing that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to atone for the sins and save a people as His own. That belief is a product of being born of God. And that loving God, the one who blesses with new life, means that you will love others who have likewise been born of God. These are statements of fact from God's word. These are affirmations of truth that God has set before us. These truths related to one another woven with each other are a consequence. They follow on. They connect with each other. And this is the beginning of a chain reaction. By this we know that By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. Now the way that we have certainty, the way that we can be sure that we are in that truth relationship, born of God, believing in Jesus Christ, loving God, loving others who have been born of God, as we can know that we are in that truth relationship, that truth cycle, if you will, is by our willing obedience to God's commandments. We're told in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40, You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus said, This is the first and the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, On, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And then Jesus says to his disciples, as we have recorded in John chapter 13, verse 34 and following, he, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you that love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, one another. This truth cannot be overemphasized. This truth cannot be overstated. This truth cannot be stated too often for it is a fundamental truth for those who are followers, those who are disciples, those who are lovers of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that we love one another. It's a simple proposition and yet it is one that can be made so very complicated by some. And we all know that pages and pages can and have been filled with lists of don'ts. Don't do this and don't do that. But the love of God that is offered to us from God's Word, the love of God that is made known to us through His Son, the love of God for which we are called to imitate, is not negative. It is not a, a negative thing, a takeaway, a don't do, but rather the love of God and the love that we're to show one another is a positive, not passive, active. Everywhere we read in Scripture, That God loved us. Amen. Here we read that our love for God is demonstrated in obeying his commandments. And his commandments are to love him and to love others. It's circular reasoning. But it makes perfect sense. And his commandments are not burdensome. Obeying the one we love is not hard. It's not burdensome, is the scripture. Obeying the one we love is in fact a joy, a delight. We are glad to do as he commands. Why? Because we love him. As an earthly father whom we love, we want to do what pleases him. Of course, not every son or daughter requires the love of a loving father. We're we're all too very familiar with the rebellious offspring, the one who... Breaks a father's heart with destructive behavior that runs so very contrary to the manner in which the father has taught. But for the believer, for the Christian believer, the one who has been born of God and so believes in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the path to loving obedience has been paved by God Himself. We love one another because He has loved us. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now this term, the world, is used in a a few different ways throughout the New Testament. But in the final analysis, it's going to to come down to the the world for which we, we are concerned is the world which represents temptation and sin. For who is it that has overcome temptation and sin? It is the one whom God has granted the blessing by his grace of faith. Who is it that overcomes temptation and sin except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Temptation and sin, the world, is that rebellious spirit. That spirit that says, I will. That spirit that says, I can. The spirit that says, I don't need a savior. The spirit that says, I'm good enough. The spirit that says, I don't need God the spirit that says I don't need you the world is temptation and sin temptation that, that attraction I fear that so often we're inclined to be ostriches ostriches big bird with a long neck Stick our head in the ground, pretend like the temptations are not there constantly, pretend like we can bring temptations right into our own living rooms and there sit with them and not be affected by them, believing, pretending, putting our heads in the ground, that there's no seduction temptation. There's no draw, there's no, no attraction that would draw us away from the Lord our God and draw us into the world of temptation and sin. Drawing us away from obedience, drawing us away from love. The world of temptation and sin, denying God denying God's love, disobeying God's commandments. I know, no doubt, many of you along with me think of Romans chapter 1. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking And their foolish hearts were darkened. That's that rebellious spirit. The fool has said in his heart, right, is no God. There's only one. There's only one who who ever overcame temptation and sin. Only one who ever overcame the world. But everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Well, come on, which is it? But here as we read in 1 John, we're simply encountering another way of saying that it is the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed, has been imparted to those who believe. As as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Only one has ever overcame the world. Only one has ever overcame temptation and sin. But everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. At every turn, we see that what God commands, God provides. What God commands, God provides that we might be obedient. The fact that we have been born of God makes it possible to be obedient to God, to love Him to love others. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The power of faith. The power of believing. The power of believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Let's be sure let's be sure that we are believing truth we are believing the truth believing truth that truly overcomes the world the true Jesus the son of God this is he who came by water and blood Jesus Christ not by water only but by the water and the blood and the spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. Now John was being very careful to affirm here that the understanding, the belief, the knowledge, the faith that Jesus was in fact fully human. He was fully man. As he had written earlier that we have in 1 John chapter 4, By this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses, That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. There were false teachers in John's day that wanted for their own sake, for their own purposes to accomplish their agenda... There were false teachers who who wanted people to believe that Jesus wasn't a real man, but perhaps a spirit who only appeared to have a physical body. John says, not so. In verse 1 of chapter 1 of 1 John, he says, "That that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands. Jesus said, or John says, Jesus was fully man, fully human, even as we are. Jesus was born just like every other man since Adam. And Jesus died like every man by water and blood. And the Holy Spirit affirms that Jesus was fully man, fully God. That He lived and that He died. And that this is Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus had said that He would send the Holy Spirit And He said He would send this Holy Spirit for a purpose. John chapter 15, But when the Helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, Jesus said, He will bear witness about me. The Spirit of truth as Jesus had promised. The Spirit of truth as Jesus said. The Spirit of truth as Jesus told us to expect has in fact come into the world and indwells every believer who is born of God. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God indwelling those whom He has given life is the final, ultimate witness to the true Christ Jesus. Truly man, truly God. The Holy Spirit, the ultimate witness, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And there, from there He will come to judge the living and the dead. Amen. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. These three agree. John writes that believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is established on solid testimony the Holy Spirit, the life of Christ. And I welcome you to your own idea, your own opinion, your own thoughts about what water represents. I'm good with that. Go with it. But the solid testimony that comes to us by the Holy Spirit, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, all three point to the same conclusion Jesus is the Christ the son of God and he is in every way sufficient to impart eternal life to those who believe in him if we receive the testimony of men and that's kind of a statement that says you listen to other people right The testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe, whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us. Eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. You can believe God, can't you? You don't think he's a liar, do you? Believe and live. Do not believe and do not know the grace of God in eternal life, to live with Him forever. John says, I write these things to you, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. The conclusion that we are to draw is that believing in faith, accepting God's word, believing God's word, is not a wishy-washy proposition. Believing in Jesus Christ, believing in all that He has done, His life, His death, His resurrection, accomplishes all that's necessary for the forgiveness of sin, that his resurrection, that he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father and that he will come again to this world and gather to himself all those whom he has called into his covenant to live with him for all of eternity. This believing is not... You know what? I think I'll take a chance. This believing is knowing that what God has said, what God has done, and what God has said he will do are certain, are sure. Yes, This is the confidence. How wonderful, huh? Praise God. This is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. This is really the verse I wanted to preach this morning. And I had to do all those other verses to get here. This this confidence. This confidence is a blessing from God. This confidence comes to us directly from Almighty God, the creator and sustainer of all that is. God the Father in heaven has granted us the blessing that we may have the confidence in the faith that He has granted to us, confidence in the gift of His Son who forgives our sins and paints us with His righteousness righteousness, that we stand before Righteous and holy God, covered in the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ, fully acceptable in His sight. In Christ, we can live a life of confident assurance. Christ has overcome the world. And in Him, we too overcome the world. A world that we see today is headed full tilt for certain destruction. And yet, in Christ, we are confidently living today eternal life. (laughs) The fool reads these verses and says, Really? I can have anything I want? But the confidence that comes to believers is the confidence to believe that the will of God is what I want. (laughs) The will of God is is so certain, so certain that, and it is so right, and it is so rich, and so good, and so blessed that in the believer, the desire is so great, this great confidence that to see that God's will will be accomplished in this world. And so is our prayers. Thy will be done. Come, Lord Jesus. For you see, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the testimony that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. A chain reaction. A chain reaction which which results in tremendous power. A confidence, a powerful confidence, assurance of love, of hope, desire for the presence, the will of God. Being born of God to believe. Being born of God that we might obey being born of God that we might love, born of God that we might love Him, born of God that we might love Him, that we might love others, that we might believe, that we might believe that Jesus is life, We might believe that in Jesus' life we see the the will of God, the hand of God, the call to obedience to God. In Jesus' death, we see our salvation. We see the forgiveness of our sin. And His righteousness covering us. And we see greater love has... Nobody than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And we see that in his death, the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit assures those who believe that they have the eternal life by which Jesus overcame the world and by which his, his followers overcome the world, knowing that they have life in Jesus Christ, knowing with confidence that that which which we believe has been a gift from God in whom we have been born, that we might believe, that we might obey, that we might love, that we might believe, that we might have confidence. And now there are ping-pong balls flying all over the room as is the joy lifting in the heart of believers born of God, loving God, loving others. Father, we praise you and give you thanks for the power of your word, the presence for your spirit, the hope that you have engendered in our lives that we might pray your will, O God, Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.